Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, the voice of Mary Jane from The Spectacular Spider-Man, and you're listening to Spectacular Radio Podcast. Face it, Tiger, you just hit the jackpot. Welcome back to The Spectacular Radio. I'm Zach Joyner here from Spidey-Dude.com. I am the webmaster of the website, and I'm also the head of the Spidey-Dude.com network. We are proud to have this show on our network, and I'm going to turn it over to the host of the show, Mr. Greg Vyshansky. Greg? Greg Wachanski, not to be confused with Greg Wiseman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that happens more often than you guys might think for some reason. I have no idea why. And, anyway, also joining us, is, as usual, is Gerard De La Tour, the host of Mayday Mondays. You have to get another episode out soon, Gerard. I love that show. <laughs> At least somebody does. <laughs> yeah, it's coming, it's coming. Yeah, yeah, whatever. And it's gonna How's be it going? Working on it right now? Yeah, actually, I have been working on it lately, so expect, Good, expect some news soon. And also joining us, back by popular demand, is Kristen Zanero to opine more on Ultimate Spider-Man. Zach, get that disclaimer ready? Okay, the disclaimer is, the views of Kristen do not reflect Greg Mashansky, Gerard Delatour, and Zach Joyner's views. Although they might. And they don't reflect the views of Spidey-Dude.com and the Spidey-Dude.com network. They are completely her own, and as such, should be treated as such. So please, if you want to lump us in, well, don't. That's a great way to cover our asses. Si, senor. Hi, Kristen. Hi, guys. So, you're, before we dive in to talk about reaction, the first appearance of Dr. Octopus, you're here to tell us about another Spider-Man cartoon when Spidey made a trip to your hometown. Well, my my home state, but I guess you could call it my hometown. And I have some lovely words to recite for you about how I feel about that. <laughs> Listen, my children, and you will hear of a tale about idiots who obviously aren't from here. Trying to imitate us with horrible cliches, getting the accent wrong in so many ways. So sit, gather round, whilst I tell you this horrible tale about Spidey going to Beantown. Dear gods, this New England girl is in hell. <sighs> That's about how I feel about that. Now, to get some context... The Ultimate Spider-Man producers thought it would be a great idea for Spider-Man to visit Boston. And not the good Spider-Man like we're going to talk about in the most of this episode. We're talking about the crappy new Spider-Man that uh, the poor man's Josh Keaton, Mr. Drake Bell, is uh, trying to, you know, emulate or whatever. And, and we have, <laughs> that's a little, we have that's to close to the bone, given his money problems, isn't it? Well... <laughs> 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 oh, it's a shoe that's wearing, okay? Anyway, so we've got Spider-Man in Boston. Now, now they've done stories like this before. There was a story um, that you'll hate that's Clone Saga related, which is network related. And, uh, and do you, Gerard, do you remember Annual 37 of Amazing? The Who Has Been Riley Prelude? Absolutely not. Uh, actually, wait. Is that the one with Raptor in it? Yes. Uh, Remember they, they go to they go to Boston to visit the Rileys that we never saw ever when Aunt May died. Oh yeah, died. that's right. Uh, she has all those hot nieces yeah. out of just out of nowhere. Yeah, and like Peter's like, whoa, they're hot. Get <laughs> that Parker look. Sorry. Um, yeah. So apparently, 
there's some precedent for this particular story. So it's not even like an original story. It's a recycled story from the comic books that's done. Oh, fun, fun, fun. Now, as it's been brought up, I am from Massachusetts. I actually lived not too far north from Boston. It's Boston. Okay, if you're going to say it, say it right. Not Boston. It's like rubbing a cat backwards when I listen to this. And we dive into this lovely episode where Spidey is going to Beantown because of issues in New York. Now, first off, Boston asking for a New York superhero. That has problems in that of itself, but that's neither here nor there. So he gets brought over and he's become Batman all of a sudden. We have Batman, ladies and gentlemen, with a Spider-Man mask. They give him his own cave and all these lovely gadgets, and we find out it's made by a kid. Okay, that's awesome. I think it's great. And then they do something that makes me incredibly sick. They offer Spider, Clam Chowder, and Baked Beans together. Ugh, that's Diarrhea City right there. Uh, uh, it's like, okay. I'm from the Dirty South. What is this thing called clam chowder? It's a common... It's exactly what it sounds like, Zach. It's a chowder made with clam. I'm just being a dick, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you play the role well, Zach. I, I mean, okay, if you're going to offer this to somebody, you offer them baked beans and hot dogs. That's a little bit more traditional. You... Offer them, you know, those really great clam crackers with the clam chowder. You do not offer them at the same time. That's just sickening. You know what I think happened? I think they were sitting in the writer's room thinking, oh, this is so funny. <laughs> we'll have him have, eat clam chowder. And somebody's like, oh, you know, it's even... And now I'm having to listen to the mayor of Boston talk. I'm having to listen to everybody that is supposedly from Massachusetts talk. What did somebody get... Goodwill hunting and sit down and say, this is our whole thing for people from Massachusetts. This is how they sound. No, it isn't. That is not how we sound. It's awful. And I really wanted to smack whoever told them this is how we sounded. I used to have a pretty thick accent. I obviously don't anymore because I've lived several different places over the years. But if you're going to talk, you're hearing my accent a lot. They called the episode Spider-Man. Okay. Nobody in Massachusetts says spider. If we say it, it's spider or spider. We might actually pronounce the R's. And we get further into this episode where we come to deal with our villains. Now, for the most part, they're pretty funny, pretty campy. And then we get to the Salem Witch. There are so many things you could have touched on. So many things you could have said. So many things you could have selected from. You choose what is arguably one of the bigger black stains on our history. Where 19 people are accused and die by hanging and crushing to death. But you make her a villain. Okay. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Wow. 
Holy smokes. Are you serious? Wait, wait. So what, what does the Salem witch do? She has a conical hat, and she shoots beams out of her hands. And I, I'm sitting there like, what? Hold on, hold on. So what she's is she a, a metaphysical Iron Man shooting beams out of her hands? Really? Wait, wait. Sorry. But I have to ask. So the Salem witch is an actual witch, as opposed to the the Salem witches of history who are all just wrongly innocent accused. Pe- yeah, they're all innocent people. I mean, oh, oh we're going to be so funny. We're going to name people after, you know, events in history. Like, but we're going to choose one of the most horrible. <laughs> that's that. Yeah, that's bad. That's pretty bad. Oh, my God. And this episode just continues on and on and on like that. Excusing the fact that it doesn't even seem like they bothered to pay attention to a lot of the layout of the city. And, and in fairness... Boston is confusing as hell because most of it's based upon cow paths. That's how most of Massachusetts is. So mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not like New York where you go down one avenue straight forward. No, you can very easily get lost. Okay, fair enough. But you're looking at the buildings and whatnot, and you're sitting here thinking, like, so what did they do? Just reprint New York and make it say it was Boston? Okay. Nothing. Yeah, that's... So what you're saying is they didn't just get the layout wrong. They made the the city too tall. Is that what you're sort of implying? That like it's the most New York looking Boston that's ever been animated. Pretty much. Uh, (laughs) It's it's very lazy. I can only assume that the creators of the show are trying to incite a war between New York City and Boston, which we're always on the verge of anyway. (laughs) That's true. If somebody told me Boston was attacking, I would immediately go for the nearest weapon and just run outside. <laughs> I just, I don't understand any of it. I mean, you take the time to create an episode, okay, about two states, bit of rivalry, bring Spider over, and... You don't even take the time to really research what the hell you're doing. I mean, people from Massachusetts are going to watch this and go, what the hell, man? Okay, but I have to ask, aside from the witch, is there anything actually Boston-specific to the episode? Or could it have just taken place in New York anyway? It pretty much could have just taken place in New York. I mean, it's full of a bunch of hackneyed cliches and just a couple of references to Massachusetts itself. For the most part, except for maybe... Maybe spanning off to the bay and whatnot and talking about the tunnel and it might as well have just been in New York. Uh, wow. I hate I hate that when they do it's like, hey, let's take a trip to this and the same thing happens that would have happened in any other adventure. Why bother with the trip? Agreed. And to be fair, when it comes to the research, the same team which writes Avengers Assemble, which is currently airing, they in their pilot they had Captain America injured up in the frozen Arctic up north, and they said the nearest ar- hospital was in South America. What? What? Wait, wait. Yeah. Are they saying he crashed in the Antarctic? No, it was the Arctic. It was up north. Oh dear. <laughs> Okay. Red Skull had a base in the North Pole. He tried to switch bodies with Cap, briefly succeeded, and then... No, 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 it was Tony who was injured after the Red Skull took his armor. And like, the nearest hospital is... I forget where, but it was South America, and I'm like, okay, writers, if you don't care, why should I? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> See, and it could have been fixed so easily. Just say it's in the Antarctic. Boom, it makes sense. <laughs> the nearest <laughs> hospital would actually be in but no. 
god. I mean, I, I could rant for days about this episode. It was just... And she has. Yeah, Greg has been listening to me. I've been sitting there talking to him about this, going, oh my god. Why did I even watch this? Why did you tell me? He didn't make me watch this. He just happened to tell me there was an Ultimate Spider-Man episode called Spider-Man. And I'm like, what? <laughs> On principle, because of where I'm from, I had to watch this. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to just, like, gouge my eyes out and, like, er, mind scrub. I, that's what I needed. <laughs> now, now, hold on, though. Greg, you were telling me that this is a first season episode, right? I think so. I, I quit watching after the pilot. I've never actually seen this episode. Okay. I gotta look. I have to look this up now because it's even more egregious this is a first season episode and they're already pulling out weak material like this. Okay. Oh, well, they did that in the pilot. They pulled out weak material in the pilot. Well, I mean, it's a rather poorly written <laughs> show in general, but... Oh, my God. Somebody was drunk and be like, hey! Let's throw them in Boston and make it look like New York. <laughs> Nobody think, knows. Pretty much. I think Joe Kelly wrote this. Oh, my God. There needs to be no more explanation given, and thus we should shut the door on this particular part of Black Panther. <laughs> you know, there was a ton. Okay, I just looked it up. It was the, it was in the second season. It was the seventh episode of the second season. Yeah, um, yeah, it's the season two. Wait, Sorry. hey, Zach, how about this? The episode was directed by Roy Burdine. He's the guy who's done some of those crappy fill-ins during the Clone Saga. Oh, no! He's the one that wrote Unlimited Number no, no, One. He, he, oh. he direct, yeah, he directed this episode. Story by oh. Joe Quesada. <laughs> Teleplay by Man of Action and Jimmy Palmiotti. Wow! <laughs> and now we're all dying okay. as a little more. So. <laughs> That's an award-winning team right there. Wow! The un um, uneducated at home. If you're not a listener to Clone Saga Chronicles, then why aren't you? There was an episode we did called the uh, Donovan's Rage, aka uh, Unlimited Number One. One of the single worst issues of Spider-Man ever written. This guy directed the episode. Was the guy that wrote that issue. You're welcome, America. You're welcome. That's it all ties together. It all comes full circle. <laughs> It all comes back. Oh, see, see now that I see Jimmy Palmiotti and Joe Quesada have writing credits on this, I wonder if they just intentionally just jerked around everything about Boston. Because, I mean, Palmiotti, like me, is a Brooklynite, and he's rabidly so. So I'm assuming that he just trashed Boston at every opportunity he gets. <laughs> pretty much the whole episode is just a trashing of Boston with horrible hackneyed cliches. And I think... Quesada's from Jersey? Uh, <laughs> he's from Jersey? I, I hate Jersey. I'm from uh, uh, he's from Jersey. No, 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 wait. You know what? I take that back. He's, he's from he's from New York, too. Oh, no. Uh, so I think we get a bunch good. of New York boys writing about Boston. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. I think I'm beginning to see what's going on here. <laughs> my head is in my hands right now. We're That's on Spectacular right now. We're here to talk about Spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, we'll move on to that. Um, Kristen, is there anything else you want to say about this particular masterpiece? <laughs> that can be repeated in front of children. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, in short, as it's been very eloquently stated, people from New York wrote this episode. It's very clear that people from New York wrote this episode. 
Because any self-respecting Bostonian, New Englander, anyone that's from Massachusetts, let's just put it that way, basically wants to grab them by the throat and go, What the hell are you doing? And that's just the nicest way I can put it. Now, now I need to defend the honor of New Yorkers here, being a New Yorker myself. And Aren't point you a out- Yankee fan? Don't even go there. <laughs> I, when I when I was watching baseball, I was a Yankee fan, but I stopped. Um, but but I have to. In our defense, a competent writer from New York would have done the research. I give you fairness on that. Yes, but we're not talking about competent writers. Yeah, we're talking about Joe Quesada. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Joe Quesada. Greg, 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 Greg Quesada. Both, Both of you. Both of you. Now, now, children. <laughs> okay. Now there's there's Greg out of this part out. There's a lot. There's some there's some jo- inside jokes with that. Um. Back on. Uh. Joe Quesada did single handedly write one of the worst Spider-Man stories of the last twenty years, called Omit. O M I T. One moment in time, trying to retroactively explain how Spider-Man's marriage dissolved. Yeah, <laughs> I believe when Gerard Delatour, our very our good friend, wrote a review on a certain website that's uh, well known in Spider-Man circles, I believe he gave his rating two middle fingers out of two middle fingers. Yes, indeed. <laughs> this, oh yeah, that, that's right. That was a review that had the Bendis boards telling me I should commit suicide, and that if I didn't, one of them would gladly push me out the nearest window. Well, isn't that so loving? <laughs> yeah, Dan Slot, I've gotten death threats over Spider-Man too. Isn't that crazy? We should drink a beer and bond over that. But but seriously, <laughs> I was getting some I was getting some crap on that one. I remember that. Uh, we, the whole site was getting crap on that. We had to get some damage control out there for a while. Um, anyway, Kristen, I do appreciate you coming on and being a part of the network and, and giving us your thoughts. Being a part of the network. Hold on a second, Zach. Wait a minute. <laughs> it, it, Kristen, if you're going to join, you have, first of all, you have to pay the entrance fee and perform in the arcane ritual. I don't. We, I don't, we never talk about it on air, Ooh, and rightfully so. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk well, about she, this afterwards. Hey, she's a female. We can't. We can't use the paddles like we did with you guys. Hey, come on. Well, you know, else is like, you know, did you see the box office Fifty Shades of Grey guy? You know, Ew, no, we don't talk about that trash. <laughs> nothing but uh, abuse. That's not BDSM. To be fair, you haven't seen what the ritual is. I, I would call that one. I would characterize that as abuse, also. But let's let's, 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 let's get Indeed. off of this topic, please. Let, let's move away. <laughs> Anyway, Kristen, thank you for joining us. That was very entertaining, and I'm sure our listeners will love that, too. They clamored for you to come back. Oh, here I am. Glad to oblige. All right. Have a good night, Kristen. You too, guys. No problem. Okay, bye. Bye. I can't believe that episode. Now I want to watch it to see how bad it is. I oh, still can't awesome, do it. Man. I still won't do it. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, but finding out that it has a story by Casada and a script partially written by Palmiotti and is directed by Roy Verdon, all of a sudden I'm just like, my God, how, how can I not watch this? This is just dripping in, in 
stuff that we that's related to everything else. It's all a complex web, and we're at the center of it. All right. Anyway, moving on to Spectacular Spider-Man, Episode 8, Reaction. Ooh, Episode 8, Dr. Octopus is in this one. Call okay, me yeah. Dr. Octopus! Sorry. That was actually pretty good. He stole that right from our intro. I did. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, so, with that, let's uh, get... Greg, you can give a rundown of this particular I, I will. I'll give, a, I'll give a brief rundown. Okay, one moment. Okay. Dr. Otto Octavius tries to complain to his boss, Norman Osborn, about the dangers of several recent experiments that they've been performing to create supervillains in his laboratory. Specifically, he's afraid of Spider-Man tracking them down, but is quickly berated by Osborn for his whining. Oct- Octavius backs down, but then has a little fantasy about murdering his boss. But really, who hasn't? <laughs> I do all the time. It's the American dream. <laughs> it is the American dream. I, I, anyway, he... Osborne had to depart, so Octavius heads into his chamber to experiment. Unbeknown to them, the Green Goblin sneaks into the lab, activating the chamber's generators while locking Octavius inside. While unsuccessfully trying to escape the chamber, the radiation emitted fuses the mechanical tentacles he is wearing onto his skin. Osborne and others arrive on the scene to turn off the generator, while Spider-Man jumps in to help get Octavius out of the wreckage. When the doctor wakes up, he attacks Osborne with his tentacles and pins him to a wall. Again, who wouldn't want to do this? When Spider-Man tries to intervene, Octavius brushes him aside as well with one of his tentacles, declaring himself, Zack, say it again. Dr. Octopus! Yes! He steals a power battery to recharge his tentacles and storms out of the building, using his tentacles as extra limbs. The next day, Peter, Gwen, and Harry, and some of, the, of Harry's new popular friends, go to Coney Island, where Harry impresses everyone, everyone with his newfound drug strength. <laughs> Liz Allen begins to attach herself to Peter, and the two have a good time. However, Peter spots Dr. Octopus and abandons the group to pursue him as Spider-Man. Spidey follows... Dr. Octopus to Tricorp, and I cannot believe they brought Tricorp into this, where he attempts to steal a power pack back from the vault. It's a megalopack, which will power his tentacles for years. Spidey swoops in and gets the power source for him. He then runs out with it while Octopus pursues him, hoping to cause the doctor to run out of energy. They reach Coney Island through, the, through their ensuing brawl, and Octopus, aware of Spidey's desire to save innocent lives, kidnaps Liz. With only an hour of energy left, he clings to the top of the roller coaster, forcing Spider-Man to choose between the power pack and Liz. Spidey throws a pack in the air before rescuing Liz. He gets close to Octopus as the latter scrambles for the power pack and is able to take it away from him, knocking him into that little octopus ride, a little touch that I really loved, defeating him. When Peter returns to the group, he discovers that Liz is breaking up with Flash Thompson after the latter gets jealous that she spent the day so close to Peter while he spent the day with MJ. Gwen approaches Peter and the two agree they need to have a talk with Harry about his belligerent attitude towards them and constant strange behavior. Meanwhile, back at Osborne's penthouse, Hammerhead is interrogating Osborne about the identity of the goblin, and to which Osborne says, hey, my tech has been stolen, my lab is wrecked, my best scientist is gone, why would I be behind this? The goblin's a common enemy, and our common goal must be to unmask him before it's too late. <laughs> Does that mean anything? Dum, dum, dum. So, okay. Um, is, that, is that the end of your one now? <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. <Okay. laughs> anyway. <clears throat> Sorry. So, uh, 
thus endeth the rundown. I'm going to give Gerard the floor and tell us what your thoughts Doc are. Doc Ock is his, yeah, Doc Ock is your favorite villain. Yeah, which is surprising that I don't like this episode. <laughs> I, I have to really be honest here. Okay, that's a little unfair. It, it's a mixed bag for me. Um, I guess right off the top, I should probably talk about Ock himself. Outside of maybe the Ultimate Comics, I think this is my least favorite version of Doctor Octopus. To be fair, you haven't watched season two yet. I've seen I've, I've seen more of it since we last talked. Cause I started watching it, but uh, I don't know. He's too. He starts off wimpy and spineless, which is something I don't like. And then he turns like that as soon as the the accident happens, and it's way too fast and kind of unbelievable the way it's done. Where I, I don't buy the way it happens. Because they sort of... Okay, we take a step back and probably explain this in a little more detail. It's the same setup as Spider-Man 2, where he has the uh, he has the arms, they have advanced AI, he has an inhibitor chip. The inhibitor chip is fried during the accident, so the arms start to gain a little measure of control or whatever. No, 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 no. The arms have no control over him in this. They don't, there's no inhibitor I, chip. I, I'm, I'm, well... I know. The point I'm trying to make is something similar. It's not the exact same thing. Okay. In the movie, that's what happened. In this, they're somewhat, like, it seems like they're nodding in that direction, even though that's not what's happening. In particular, if you look at the animation, there are, there are shots where it straight up has the thing on the back of his neck, just like it had in Spider-Man 2 and all that stuff. So it makes you wonder if that's what's going on, but it's not. Which makes his, his sudden turn a little harder to explain. And listeners, for those of you who are listening or have listened to the show, we haven't sat down to talk about Greg yet at the time that we have recorded this, although that Greg discussion will be up on the website before we actually post this, so um, we'll probably have more of an explanation. Mm -hmm. But I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, in the movie version, what happens is the, the AI of the tentacles basically convince him that play on his insecurity and his ego to tell him that the accident wasn't his fault, there was you know, some outside influences, and therefore that's his, his motivation is to go out and finish his experiment, because he, he thinks that everything he did was right and it was just a freak accident, so he's going to go out and try to do it again. In this, he just becomes an asshole, <laughs> basically. And it's like, uh, he has a motivation to get revenge on Osborne, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but it, the point is that there's no scene where he's convinced of that in any way, it just sort of happens. And that's the problem I have with this characterization of Ock. The second season does something different. But in this episode, at least, we're, that's what we're talking about. And that, ugh, I don't like that. I, I see where you're coming from. I mean, all future epi episodes of Doc Ock are much better than this. It's vintage classic Doc Ock from here on out. But um, right. it is this this here is a bit clunky. I do agree with you. The origin doesn't make sense. The feeling I've gotten is is that he was he always had these urges in him. I mean, the last thing he says before the explosion is, "I've been good." I mean, I can sort of see. I mean, and this is me thinking about the comics. He probably did have that overbearing mother. I mean, he probably yeah. The same thing I thought of too. That ultimate or. Unlimited number three with the, the drunk <laughs> beat my son father that every villain in the nineties suddenly got. Mm -hmm. And I and I can sort of see this. I've been good. I mean, he's always been smart enough, maybe a bit ruthless enough. He was having murder fantasies about Osborne before the accident, where when the accident finally happened, and I thought is he basically said, "Oh, to hell with this!" And mm -hmm. he's the ultimate disgruntled employee. I mean, let's face it. I think we've all thought about going on a rampage and 
killing our bosses before. For legal reasons, I will not agree with this statement. <laughs> okay, but all that aside, in terms of, like, animation and stuff, this is really, like, I really love the way they did Ock, animation-wise. He moves fluidly, his arms are quick. Uh, this transformation sequence in particular is really well done. With the beams of light, you see a skeleton, all that. That, that stuff's cool. Um, but then you have the other plots going on in this episode, like the Harry Osborne thing, which I, I just felt like it didn't belong in this episode. It was weird. It, it was like, my warrant Speedy is a junkie! It was that for the whole episode. It's like, okay, we get it. The, the drug addiction parallels, okay. Okay, you can stop now, I get it. And it just went on and on. It pays off in the next episode, but I felt like it was overdone here because we've seen it before also. And in this episode, it feels like they're just treading water with that with that part of the story. But uh, well, They were thinking of it in terms of arcs and the time they still plan to sell these things as the movies also. Mm-hmm. Right, which in that so, context, it would make a lot more sense. Watching them as individual episodes, especially since it's been a while since I've seen the previous one because of just recording gaps and stuff, it doesn't it doesn't quite work for me. But yeah, I, I get that. I mean, they're, I agree with you definitely about the animation on Oxworms. I mean, they're quick, and you can definitely sort of when you're watching feel the impact of these things when they hit something. Mm-hmm. The last fight at Coney Island, especially, is good for this, where there's a lot of it's well designed and entertaining and. There's a little too much girl grabbing going on. Like, he manages to grab every girl at least once, I think. Well, you're Doc Ock. You have tentacles. You're, I'm going to make an anti Oh, wow. Joke. No, no, no. 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 God, they should have had a bunch no. of... They, they should have had a, a crowd of Japanese tourists there. <laughs> Just because. We're horrible. Yeah. I, I apologize. Um... Yeah, is that going to stay in the episode, really? Hentai? We're talking about hentai tentacle rape? No. Stop it. said rape until you did just now, Zach. Have you ever had sex with somebody? <laughs> but he meant oh, to say, have you ever had sex with a girl when she didn't necessarily want to have sex with you? But what came out was, have you ever raped somebody? <laughs> wow. <laughs> what? Zach, at this point, it's all on you. I just had anti-tentacles. You took it farther than I ever did. You know what? I was ensuring that this thing would be edited. <laughs> or ensuring that you look like a fool when it's not edited. Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> uh, okay, back to this episode. But again, in, in keeping with the mixed bag theme, the way Ock is defeated at the end is way too trite. Like, he decides to change his power pack directly in front of Spider-Man for no apparent reason. He's new to this whole supervillain thing. <laughs> like, Ah, you're you're going to the bathroom or something. <laughs> you don't have to do it right there at that exact moment. Like, for crying out loud, that was really dumb. But eh, I don't know. I, every villain has to have his his flaw, and I guess you know, being defeated stupidly is <laughs> seems to be a recurring motif. He never gets defeated this stupidly again. Again, I was just buying with it. I'll just say he's new to this whole supervillain thing, but um, this could have been his last out, and also we don't—he doesn't know he's going to be able to return. Right, right, right. Uh, but that's the, that's the beaten potatoes of it. I got a couple of quick hit little things. Um, I, uh, I well, uh, Ric Flair is not in the room with me. That was my phone. Uh, <laughs> Woo! 
Yeah, exactly. Um, the John Jameson side plot thing, which pays off in the next episode, in contrast to the Harry one, works really well in this because it breaks up the pace well. Because you have stuff going on that isn't super villainy. At least you get some sort of human touches, and I like that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and Jameson briefly dances with Betty, which Tony would love, unlike the 1981 cartoon where Betty just has Jameson out on a date at the end of an episode <laughs> just to make Peter jealous <laughs> and angry. Yep. Oh, Jonah, sexually harassing his employees. Stop that, Miss Brandt. I'm a married man. <laughs> there's a real, there's a really classic cheesy '80s montage that takes place in the in the uh, Coney Island bit, which I was just sitting there watching it, going, "This is this is like even the music choice. This is intentional. I know it is." Mm-hmm. And by the way, during that montage, you get some gargoyle stuff in there. I'm sure you caught that. I did. Yeah, it wasn't as blatant as the ones in the pilot, which were actual character models from the original series. But right, right. <laughs> Um, Peter, well, this Peter getting friend zoned by Dude, MJ. Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. That was that was pretty blatant. I mean, it starts off with a close up on the gargoyle and then pans out. Yeah, yeah but we're saying unlike the previous instance, it wasn't actually a specific design from the show. It was just a gargoyle this time. Yeah, as opposed to a gargoyle with a capital G. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, anyway, Peter getting friend zoned by MJ in the beginning was funny. Oh, God, I need to talk about this. I really do. When this episode first aired on a certain forum, which, again, I will not name, but you probably all know what I'm, it is at this point, there were people who were downright livid when this thing happened. And I'm like, so you're people whose entire experience of Spider-Man is either from the from the Raimi movies or the 90s series where MJ is pretty much his consistent girlfriend throughout the entire thing. And there was one person that said, well, in my book, you go out on a date with someone, they're your girlfriend. And I'm like, how many dates have you gone on? Seven. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> uh, but, but seriously, this is... In, def- in defense of this show... I'm sorry. In defense of this show, the way they do it, this is pretty much how it happens in the comics. Peter and MJ go on that one date... Where she points at the rhino and is like, look at that, Dad, isn't that rad? Or whatever the hell she's saying. <laughs> and, like, you know, they go tooling around his motorcycle. And they don't go on another date after that. That's pretty much it. And the next time we see her, I think she's on the arm of Flash Thompson, kind of. It's weird. Because they don't, they, the status quo doesn't go to them being, like, dating. It goes suddenly goes back to, uh, will Peter go out with Gwen or not? Classic MJ's a player. I don't know, quite to the extent she seems to be in the show, especially in the next episode, where she seems as loose as a leaky faucet, but we'll get to that. Wow! <laughs> Sorry, it had to be said. Uh, and the other little note I have here... The views of... Jo- of the views of... <laughs> I almost said Josh Bertone. Sorry, Josh. Well, to me, his views aren't reflected either. Uh... Uh, last thing, as I quickly change the subject, uh, last thing, uh, the, the cold open for this episode was entertaining, but it was completely pointless. What was going on in that? It was just a random car chase, just to have a random car chase. Well, I mean, it's just another day in your life to be uh, the spectacular Spider-Man. See, I, Paging Green Goblin, Paging Green Goblin. I would have been okay with that if the actual payoff to it, like the crash at the end, wasn't so poorly animated. I have to not... The sh- I always talk about how great the animation is on this show. I have to knock it there. That 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 crash was awful. It, the car starts spinning, where it's suddenly the only car on the street, by the way. 
it starts spinning. It's a, it's a CG car, of course, because the vehicles in the show are CG. And then it comes to a stop, and then all of a sudden, nine cars come out of nowhere, and then, like, just rush at it and crash into each other. What? <laughs> I was rubbing my temples together, like, what just happened? I actually had to rewind it and go back and, like... Okay, so these cars just appeared out of nowhere. Like, they just spawned off camera and then crashed into it. Ugh. I didn't like that at all. But yeah, uh, things I liked about this episode, things I didn't like. Overall, it's like a... I don't know. What kind of grade would I want to give this? I, I think it's a little below average, so maybe a C-. minus. Wow, that's, that's the lowest grade that's been given in the entire Spectacular Radio's existence. So. <laughs> Until episode 12! Oh, yeah! Yeah, I, I keep teasing how much I hate that episode. <laughs> when we finally get there, it's going to be bad. Watch, when we finally get there, Gerard's not going to be available. Or <laughs> Gerard, you better be there for all this build-up. You would better be there. <laughs> I return to that's my like, home planet. That, that's, like, that's like if we had sat there and built up, you know, Unlimited Number 1 and Donovan wasn't there. <laughs> that would be like if we kept building up to a call-in show for like three years and it didn't happen. Hey, hey, hey. You can see this right now. Jokes. You can see this right now. No, I can't. This is an audio podcast, Zach. <laughs> I'm just uh, talking I'm, to you. For the audience at home, uh, he switched Skype to video mode and then gave me the middle finger and then switched back to audio again. Okay, anyway. All right. I've monopolized okay. enough of this time. Somebody else. Okay. Okay, moving on. Edit. This is going to be where Jesse's review goes. Okay, unedit. Zach, what did you think of this episode? So, this episode is I liked it. I thought look, I know why is Tricorp there? I know we you said that in your rundown. I actually didn't hate it because it was actually somewhat useful. Um there's there was more use of Tricorp in this episode of Spectacular Spider-Man than the entire Mackie Byrne era in Amazing and Peter Parker Spider-Man. Two years worth of, of storytelling. That's yeah. Speaking of Tricorp, I was going to go into this later, but you brought it up, so I might as well say it now. I think I can finally tell the story after all these years. Okay, when this show was in production, Marvel was pretty slow about getting references to the production team. So Wiseman emails me and asks me for info on Tricorp, and I'm like, yeah, I, I know who Tricorp is, but I barely remember them because I dropped the comic around that era. I think a lot of people did. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't remember everybody, but, but I did have those comics in, in the house, and I... And I didn't, and I didn't know where they were. I didn't feel like digging them out. So I decided to. He's asking for info on these people. I mean, who are what are the names of the characters? And so I decide, okay, who knows everything there is to know about Spider-Man? Hey, Mr. Chair Fettinger, um, I need info on Tricorp. Uh, this is why. Please don't tell anybody. And Jr. Uh, says, okay, he gives me some names. He promises not to say anything. And uh, and so I send this info to Greg, and then. And then he has it, and a couple weeks later, I find the comic. I'm like, okay, I may as well take a look at these people, and whoa, um, we gave... I, one of the names is very uh, gender nonspecific, and they ended up thinking that the character was a different gender and also using the wrong name at one point. So I email him, and apparently they had already recorded. They had fixed it by then, but they almost... we weren't. I wasn't entirely sure if Dr. Twocky was going to be who he was. <laughs> Interesting. Nice. Yeah. So, so, so J.R. Fettinger. Yeah, J.R. Fettinger assisted on the show. And, and nobody ever knew that. That's awesome. 
Well, Greg knew. Like a jerk, he didn't tell us. I'd actually forgotten about it until we were sitting down to this and I was telling the story. It's been seven years. <laughs> actually, it's been more than that. It's been eight years. I mean, right. It's been seven years since around the time the episode aired. And uh, seven years since, actually seven years ago today, I mean, this came up on Jen's time hop, this photo we all took together in Greg's office. Office. I posted that photo the same day and I miss living in L.A. That was a fun time. But yeah, anyway, that's behind the scenes story. And I don't hate Tricorp being in this either. I mean, I'm feeling, again, don't quote me on this. We'll talk to we'll talk to Greg about it before this even airs. But I think they wanted to use Stark originally and, and then we're told they couldn't. Right, same way they couldn't use Kingpin. That makes sense. Is it, the thing with Tricorp in this episode, though, or Tricor, however the hell you're supposed to pronounce Tricorp. it. Tricorp. Right, Tricorp. right. Same thing as Oscorp instead of Oscorp, but... Because uh, corporation, yeah. Part of me has a feeling that this was made today. It may have been for Horizon Labs. Well, Horizon Labs was just a copy of Tricorp, so of course it was. <laughs> there you the go. very first, I even called. I remember when I was writing reviews at the time. I even called out the fact that the the first story that Horizon Labs appear in is a appears in is a carbon copy of the first story that Tricorp is in. Straight, I wouldn't mind straight down to the supervillain breaking into the lab and having to be like it, everything's the same. I wouldn't have minded seeing Doc Ock menace Max Modell. <laughs> but the thing about this episode that I don't think they ever did in the comics because Oscorp or Osborn was off the table at the, at the time temporarily was having them actually be a competitor of Oscorp, which is genius. Like, the, like that's the way to do it. Have at least set up that Oscorp isn't the only game in town. They have someone else doing a similar kind of work. Anyway, Zach, I interrupted your uh, rundown, so uh, no, I, I think I think uh, Tricorp was was very well done. Um, I liked I liked. See, I'm I'm the opposite of Gerard. I actually liked the, the, the characterization of of uh, Doctor Octopus. He wasn't this pompous, arrogant butt the way he was in the comics. He's you know he had some humility to him. Uh, I think he was very well rounded in that regard. So I think I, I actually liked the characterization. I love the Coney Island fight scene because I thought it was very um, that's one thing this, this show does is the, is the fight scenes. I do agree with Gerard though however the car chase scene was very very uh, pointless they were, I agree. It's kind of fluff um, but I think I, I liked the, I've, I've liked the subplot with Harry and the Goblin Green I, I like what, they, what they've done with it making Harry's addiction uh, kid friendly and bringing and adapting that storyline to a kids' TV show. I never. We'll talk about that even more in the next one. Uh, you know, it starts with this episode. We'll talk about it in the next episode. So, I, have a, I have a feeling censor notes are involved. So, anyway, um, I mean that's pretty much pretty much my my thoughts. I I, I would give this a B plus. Um, it was a pretty good episode. I, I actually enjoyed it quite quite a lot. Yeah, I enjoy the episode quite a bit also. It's not my favorite episode of the season by far, but it, I would give it a B-plus also, and I enjoyed a lot of it. I enjoy the uh, Coney Island sequence. You know, every time Greg, we Greg Wiseman's show goes to Coney Island, Coney Island gets destroyed in some manner. He burned it down in Gargoyles. Yeah, what does he have against Coney Island? Come on, come on, <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll, we'll have to ask him in the episode that aired previously before this one. I mean, look, I understand the beach in Coney Island is covered with crack deals and stuff, but come on. doesn't mean you have to hate the place. But, but, but I thought, like I said, I thought the action sequence was amazing. I'm really loving seeing how MJ is interacting and entering the uh, social world at Midtown High. 
and it's um, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's uh, Gwen is beginning to do more. I mean, Gwen, when Gwen gives Peter the look, I bust the gut laughing, and I do not quote me on this. I probably edit this part out if it's not true, but um, I think that may have been based on our friend Jennifer L. Anderson. She gives a very similar look to that. Hmm. With the glasses coming down her nose. You'll, ha- you'll have to ask when you talk to Greg. Oh, I, I will, or I'll talk to her afterwards. I mean, she's she's often joked that she was one of the inspirations for that. I mean, every woman has a look. We've all seen that look, but mm-hmm. with her glasses, I've seen her do it. That exact look. It's creepy. <laughs> I've got a feeling she's given you that look a time or three. A time or three would be accurate. I know she's given it to Wiseman a time or three also. I mean, we've known each other for a very long time, it happens, but... um. And um, also, I mean, just, I do like the Harry plot. I do kind of understand where Gerard is coming from, but, um, and Norman's just such a dick. Well, Norman's always a dick, but uh, I just love how much of a dick he is to Otto here. I mean, we've, again, like I said, we've, we've all been there. We've all, um, at times, almost <laughs> disliked our bosses. <laughs> That's a much more sanitized version than he said the first time. Almost, dis- yeah. I I have a boss right now, and I almost dislike her. There's <laughs> a lot of hedges in that sentence. <laughs> but yeah, Doc Ock is the ultimate. He goes from this episode. He's the ultimate grumpled employee. He goes from that. I mean, from here on out, it's it's vintage classic Doc Ock, and I love where Doc Ock goes from here. I mean, Ock is one of my favorite Spidey villains too. I mean, he wasn't always. He was someone I came to appreciate as I got older, actually. <laughs> Then again, it's probably because I've read more stuff. I think there was a time when I sort of rebelled against the cliched mad scientist villain trope. Now I love love a lot of them, especially Dr. Octopus. Cool. Yeah, so... Um, any other final thoughts? On this episode? Uh, no. Although I tried... Well, okay, hold on. I think, I think I need to clarify something, though. When I was, when I was bitching about that uh, car chase from earlier in the episode... I think the one... Th- I, I just realized... I, I, I thought of this when Zach was talking. Um, I think the thing that sets me off is that they use that as the opening uh, cliffhanger for the episode, going into the the title music, which is what makes it seem like such a waste of space, because it wasn't anything pr- that particularly deserved to be a, a commercial cliffhanger. Anyway, I just wanted to clarify that in case somebody was getting on my case. No more, yes, Mr. Osborne. I'm sorry, Mr. Osborne. Please, Mr. Osborne. <coughs> I love that line. I also love, and these are little touches thrown in, all the photographs on Oxwall. You can see a lot of history between these characters. Like, there's a photo of him and Adrian Toombs, and I think Toombs is giving Otto the bunny ears. <laughs> you, can, you can tell this is a Jennifer Coyle-directed episode, but she always throws in a lot of little touches. I mean, there's a later episode in season two where she has Ock drinking out of an evil genius coffee mug, and I want one of those. <laughs> well, you have to be an evil genius to qualify, Greg. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I like... I, I Like I said, I like the episode. It just... There's a couple of things that kind of... They were kind of off. Um, uh, and so... Yeah, I think uh, you know. I think it was a good, solid episode, and, and I think you know. It's, 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 it's a good, solid episode. It's just one, it just happens to be one of the weaker episodes of this se- of this series, and in a series as strong as this, that's not an insult. Yeah, and I will say this: the one thing I did like about this episode is that it it, it was vintage Doc Ock, because for the 
for the first two fight scenes of the of the show, of the episode, Peter gets his butt handed to him. You can tell this is this is the start of the big bads. You know this arc. This arc really is the start of the big baddies. So, so I I think that's why there was an enjoyment factor because it was very very well animated in the fight scenes. Um, outside the car chase, I think it was well animated overall. So, I like. Agreed. Agreed. And so, um, that's that. I hope you all enjoy this. Tune in next month when the Green Goblin returns. <laughs> Mr. Osborne. I'm sorry, Mr. Osborne. Please, Mr. Osborne.